Everybody say, my harvest, my harvest is on its way. Tap your neighbor and say, it's true. Just say, it's true. We are entering uh, the harvest season in the natural, correct? So they planted seed in the spring, and now the harvest has come up, and actually it's been mature for a while. Usually they let it dry out in the fields for maybe a month and a half or two months, and then after it dries out in the field, <clears throat> they go by with those big combine machines, big combine machines, and they go and they receive the fruit, or they collect the, uh, the, the vegetables or whatever they have, corn, you know, they could be barley, whatever it is, wheat, and they go and they get it, right? And so you'll start to see those big combine machines going, ripping through these fields in the next you know, week or two, and they'll collect everything. Everything will be gone, and it will go be stocked, and it'll be, it'll be uh, stored, and then it will be sold, and so on. So I want to say that this is important because everything in God's world, uh, there are seasons and times and cycles. Seasons, times, and and cycles. I would love it that I'm blessed every single day, like materially, like something would happen financially or, or something else would happen for me, something I'm really believing God for, right? I, I really wish it would be cool that would happen, but I recognize over my life with God that it doesn't happen that way, that there are seasons where he moves like that, and all of a sudden I move into a season of faith. Where I gotta trust, I gotta believe God, I've got to, I've got to study, I've got to, I've got to pray. And all of a sudden, I, I move into another season or a time or a cycle. Okay, okay. Same is true within the natural. Same is true that when we plant seed, it doesn't come up the next day. Usually, we plant plant in the springtime and we reap somewhere in the fall time. That's just the cycle of how it is done. Today, I'm talking about the seed effect. As a matter of fact, it's going to be a series. Don't get bored on me because this thing's going to get really hot today. I promise you. And we're going to get deeper in this. There's so much revelation, and I believe it's a now word for our church. As I begin to dig it out, I'm going, my God, there's so much in here I, I haven't even seen before. I want to say this to you. Don't expect to reap what you have not sown. And we live in a society, man, where everybody thinks that they just deserve it and because I'm good looking or I'm this or I'm that or just because I happen to live in the United States of America. I deserve everything that's due me. No, that's not true. The Bible's very clear. God will not be mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that he shall also reap. So if you sow not, you reap not. Come on, somebody. But if I have sown a seed, I can get excited. I can get the thankful. I can become grateful because I know Soon enough, that seed's going to come up, and I'm going to get a harvest out of what I have planted. Come on, somebody. Jesus said in Mark chapter 4, verse 26, I'm starting to feel the Holy Ghost now. He said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground or plant seed on the ground, and he should sleep by night and rise by day, which means this. I don't understand how it works. I do know, though, if I by faith take my seed and don't complain about it, don't try to wonder about it, but plant that baby in the ground, I can go to sleep. At night, I can rise by day, go about my business, knowing that one day, soon enough, my harvest is about to come into my life. And he said, once the seed has been sown, its seed should sprout and grow. He himself, here it is. He don't know how it works. I can't cut up the cut open the seed and try to figure out how the, the encoded inscription is in the seed to become what it's called to be. I don't even know how it works mechanically. All I know is I just take the seed. If I just put it in the earth, it will do the rest. It will come up all by itself. I don't have to worry about it. I go to bed at night. I rise by day. And he said, the seed will sprout and grow for the earth. Everybody say the earth. 
yields crops by itself. All it needs from you is your seed. First the blade, then the head. After that, the full grain in the head. In other words, the seed. The seed is the promise. The seed is the potential promise of a future. If you ain't got a seed, you ain't got a future. But if I got a seed, come on somebody. And let me just tell you something. When you get hungry and you don't want to wait anymore, we have this desire or this temptation to eat the seed. Be very careful. Don't eat your seed. Your seed was not meant for consumption. Have you ever bitten so deep inside of an apple? Because you know how you are. You got to get every last bit of the meat of that apple. And you bite too deep into the core and you bit yourself the seed. What did it taste like? Was it mm -mm good or was it bitter? It was bitter. Why? Because the seed's not meant for you. So when you eat your seed, it's bitter to your life. The seed won't grow in you. The seed's got to grow in the spirit or in the ground. Oh, I'm going to preach this today. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. So I'm here to tell you, so the seed is the promise or the potential of a future. If I got the seed, I've got the promise. And if I plant the seed, I'll get the provision from the promise of the seed of its potential. I can't say that twice. Come on, somebody. But my problem is... Here's my dilemma. When I got the promise and I plant the seed to get the provision, I got to walk through the process. And the process, come on somebody, is what begins to kill me, starts to ruin me, starts to hurt my mind. My thinking starts to say, it'll never happen. But I'm not going to be like that. I'm a man that understands that if I plant the seed, the earth will yield of itself. Ain't got to worry about it. Do we got some seed planters in the house? Gotta walk through the process because when the process is complete, then the grain ripens and immediately puts the sickle in because the harvest has come. Touch your neighbor and say, All you need is a seed. All you need is a seed. And when I release it, I release it by faith. I don't know how it's going to work when I give my tithe and offering. I don't know how the windows of heaven work. I just know if I do it, he said he would open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing for me. All I need is a seed. If I speak a word, his word is also a seed. And when I speak his word, I don't know how it works, but the Bible says if I confess it, come on somebody, I'll possess it. If I confess it, I'll possess it. If I speak a thing, it shall be established. Which means cause to be recognized and accepted and set into a secure position so light will be on my ways. In other words, it's going to happen. I don't know how. I don't know how. All I got to do, though, is release that seed and it will come to pass. Now, the first thing that God wanted after making the earth, and he made it all in six days, within six days. He wanted representation. God needed somebody to rule the earth through. And that's on the sixth day he made man in his image and in his likeness. Which is to say that God made man like himself to look like God and to function like God. Is what image and likeness means. To act and to look or to function like God. Now, he would never be God. But he would give this man dominion over everything. Except one thing. Himself. In other words, he'd have dominion over everything on the planet, everything that creeps on the earth except himself. He would have to become dependent upon God for survival. So he has all authority like God, except for he can't be God. He's got to depend on God. And the same is true today. Somebody say amen to that. 
So Adam was created in the sixth day. Adam was a prototype. He was a, a beta test. He was, a, he was an archetype of the human representation for God and God's will being done on planet Earth. So God made it so that man would represent him and whatever God wanted, man would obey God and fulfill it in the earth. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. There's no dispute about that. Nobody owns the earth but God, but when God gives something, he gives it away and it becomes theirs. He says the earth is Lord, the fullness thereof. He said, and he has given it to the sons of men. In other words, God gives of what he owns as an inheritance to his children and his children's children on earth to manage. Everything God gives us, he gives us to manage it. Let me make this statement. You don't get what you wish for. You might not even get what you pray for. You get what you are able to manage. Can we get practical for just a couple of minutes? Well, you know, I'm trying to, I'm going to be a CEO of my own company one day. Well, do you know how to properly read a P&L statement? Do you know how to read a balance sheet? Do you have a financial business plan? What are your uh, sale forecasts for 2019? How does your financial portfolio look? Are your assets properly diversified? Uh -huh. I said all that. It sounds like tongues out of the heaven, but it's not. It's all things you need to learn to become a CEO. In other words, preparation is the first step to manifestation. Dreaming only is a dream until you begin to prepare i got to prepare. Why? Because I can't, if I can't, if I'm not prepared, I can't manage the heaviness or the weightiness of the assignment God wants to give me. Look at Luke chapter 16. Jesus is speaking here, verse 10. He, Jesus said, who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. Do you see the principle here? Why do we want to jump all the way to become CEO when we have been faithful to even sweep the hallway? I got five people, amen, I mean, a couple claps. Let me read it again. I just want to read what Jesus said. He, is, he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous money, that's what mammon means, money, who will commit to you the true riches? If you can't be faithful over $5, I'm sorry, all the believe for $50,000 is never going to come into your care. Can I just preach it the way that it is instead of trying to appease everybody? Can we do that today? We got these big lofts. I'm gonna when I play, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that lottery pass. When I get the lottery, I'm gonna give it all to Jesus and I'll live on the rest. Hallelujah. And I'm gonna give you a big fat tithe offering. Mm-hmm. You, act, you can't get the 50 cents off the $5 you got. Why, why should I be waiting, holding my breath for you to give, come on, $50 million off the $500 million you won? How come y'all getting quiet now? Come on, somebody help me, please. Am I lying or not? Jesus said it. If you're not faithful in least, you can't be trusted with much. Who's going to trust you with the, with the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? So we want something from God. I want a new car, but we can't wash the car we got. I want a new house. Got a new, I want to live over here. No I want a new house, but you can't vacuum the carpet you got right now. I know I'm preaching because I'm stepping on toes, y'all. Come on, somebody. 
If you can't take care and manage of what you do have, how are you ever going to manage the big thing that God gives you? God's not going to give it to you so you can lose your soul. Everybody say management. Touch your neighbor say he wants you to manage. Amen. There are management principles all throughout the word of God. Church, I am grateful for this move of God that's happening week after week in our church for the last almost five months. I'm so happy about him. And I believe, Lord, that the Lord has just scratched the surface of what he's about to do in this place. I'm almost not going to call it a revival. I want to call it a move of the Spirit because I don't think revival has even happened yet. I think we're getting moved right now. But there's a moment in time where it's going to hit this place and move beyond the four walls of this church. And the city of Milwaukee is going to take notice of what God is doing at 49 over. On South Howell Avenue. He's fixing our street out here so they can show up. Come on, somebody. Yes, sir. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that people have been healed, delivered, seriously delivered, healed, set free, marriages put back together again, the testimonies of jobs and, and promotions and all these wonderful, one after another what God has been doing and just us coming to life again. Nothing like it. And we're going to see more of it. But there's a delicate balance between knowing how to walk in the spirit while living in the natural world. Amen. Because I don't want to see people just fall out and tremble and shake. Ah, and ah, he's here. And then walk right back out into the world and still have trouble, no victory, depressed, discouraged. I'm grateful God's doing it here. But we got to renew our minds because we don't live here 24-7. We live in that nasty world. And we need to be a light out there in darkness. But we can't until we renew the minds of the world. It's a delicate balance to be able to speak in tongues but know how to love your neighbor. Amen. And the balance is found in the Word of God where it says in Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, Now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. Nobody wants to talk about obedience no more. To observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth, and all these blessings woo, shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. I'm going to roll my sleeve up for this one. Come on, somebody. We talk so much about the blessing. We talk. And we think, well, uh, we all memorize it. I got the blessing on my life. Blessed, 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 blessed. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the... Hey, I'm blessed. I love the song. I believe it's true. We got that memorized. But we don't talk about what's got to take place. For the blessing, the empowerment to prosper, to operate in and through our lives. And he's very clear. If, if you obey my voice, take heed to my commandments, I will bless, bless. But verse 15 goes on to say, but it shall come to pass. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, if you don't do it, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. I've said this before, I'll say it again. I don't like the curse part. 
There's a whole bunch of curses. Matter of fact, there's more curses than blessings when you really read chapter 28. And one of them curses is called the itch. I don't know what the itch is. I just know I don't want the itch. Come on, somebody, the itch. Life is a series of choices. So we have to choose. How are we going to live? When you woke up this morning, you made a choice to be in the house of God. It was gray. It was rainy. It was cold. That bed was calling your name, even with the extra hour of sleep. But some of y'all cheated time. You just went to bed an hour later because you knew you had the extra hour of sleep, so you really didn't get an extra hour. So you're still tired. Amen. Hungry. Rather be anywhere. Your flesh screaming at you. Your mind going, don't do it. You're fine. You know, you and Jesus got your own thing going. You don't need charge for that. Jesus is all you need. And that's why God's people get so discouraged. Yes, Jesus is what, if we didn't live, if we lived in communistic society and you couldn't go to church, Jesus, would all, that's all you have. But he said to come together even more as you see the day approaching. So really, that's his, be his best plan is for everybody to come together because he knows there will be what? Encouragement. <laughs> come on, somebody. Am I right about that? So what happens is, so what happened is you woke up and said, I'm going to church. You made a conscious choice to do what was right. So our whole life is made up of a series of choices. Choose death, choose life. Then he says, I'm going to say to you, choose life. He gives us the hint of what we're supposed to do. But you've got the power to do it. So we can choose to turn the blessing on or the cursing on. Come on, somebody. We have the choice, but people choose to spend more money than they've got. Embrace more than they should. Stay in the world longer than they need to. Stay in wrong relationships longer than they want to admit. Harbor unforgiveness longer than they need to. Stay angry over senseless things longer than they can remember why they're even angry. You break the cycle. Of all of that curse by the word choices that you make. So when you obey God's word, you're turning off the curse and on the blessing. And by the way, the curse isn't when you do something wrong and God zaps you, zap, zaps you with something called the curse because you're out of, uh, you, you made wrong choices outside of God's word and outside of his will. Uh, God is not trying to destroy your life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I just told you a moment ago, and you felt his presence so strongly. He is love. He wants to give you chances, and he wants to work with you. And I don't even know why he wants to work with me, because I'm lousy sometimes. And so are you. But yet he chooses to work with us because he loves us. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? And so, uh, because of that, it gives me great confidence to want to obey what he's got to say in my life. So, think of it this way. The curse is already in the earth. It's not something God zaps you with. It was here due to the fall of man. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the curse came on the scene. Jesus, as the last Adam, came to undo what the first Adam began. He came to stop the curse or to redeem us from the curse. When we gave our life to Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus now has been placed upon us to where destruction has to go over. Jesus said, I give you life and life more abundantly. The thief comes 
to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So now then, because I'm in obedience with the Almighty and have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the curse cannot come upon me. You got to think of it that Jesus redeemed us from the curse. But when we disobey God's word and we continue to disobey God's word, we become unshielded from his redemptive protection. And the curse comes into our life as a result because it was always there. The only thing keeping us from it was the fact that we had Jesus in our heart and we were obedient to what God said. Obedience isn't because God's got a big ego. Obedience keeps you out of harm's way. He knows what's best. Just like you tell your kids, don't touch that stove. Why? I'll spank you if you touch the stove. Why? Because a little spank is a whole lot better than third-degree burns on their body. Come on, someone say amen to that. You know you got to keep them from the stove while you're doing them good. Obey me. I'm your mom or I'm your dad, right? I love this in Proverbs 26, 2, speaking about the curse. Like a flitting sparrow, <clears throat> like a flying swallow, so a curse without a cause shall not alight. In other words, when the devil tries to curse you or some witchcraft comes by, which is nothing more than rebellion and, 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 and manipulation, or they try to put spells or incantations upon you, you know how much I fear that? Absolutely zero fear. But I should get concerned if I'm trying to live in darkness and light at the same time. If I got one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, I should get very concerned. Why? Because I'm offering a landing pad for that curse to come and land in my life. But if I'm following Jesus, come on somebody, I feel like shouting in the Holy Ghost today. If I'm putting my trust in the king and I know I'm in obedience to what God has said, they can curse all they want. The devil can try to stop me all they want. The earth can try to curse me all it wants. It will be like a swallow that's flying out. It finds no place to land. So it flies back to which it came. Everybody say, devil, go back from which you came. Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. This is not about living a perfect life. Because if that was the case, none of us would make it. I love you, church, because it's a perfect church. Trust me. We will teach you in five minutes we're not a perfect church. There's no such thing as perfect. And if there was a perfect church, the moment you joined it, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. Just a little vote of confidence to help you out. It's not about living perfect to get God to bless you somehow and for him to stave off the curse. This is to show you that there are keys that unlock your best life, your blessed life, what God's always determined for you to have. But you make the choices. You make the choices. There are actions that we do in faith on this earth that makes heaven accessible to us. And if we don't activate those things by faith in the earth with our actions of faith, heaven is not accessible to us. Jesus said these words, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Do you see what he's saying here? He said, those are the keys of the kingdom. He told Peter, those are the keys of the kingdom. In other words, I have, you have dual citizenship by way of Jesus Christ. That I don't have just authority here, but when I speak here, heaven backs me. So if I bind it here, the angels and God rally together to bind it there. Come on, somebody. If I loose it here, it's got to be loosened there. I've got power and authority in the natural. I've got power and authority in the spirit 
I don't know what kept him up in the natural, Peter, when he walked on the water, except to say, when he said, Jesus, is it you? Because he wasn't sure. Everybody in the boat was afraid. But here comes Jesus in the middle of a storm, walking. He would have passed right by until they said, oh, oh, who is that? Is that some sort of ghost? They couldn't put it into their words. They had no idea what was going on. Here he is walking. Would have walked right past by. And Peter said, hey, is that Jesus? Jesus, is that you? Hey, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to come up on the water. Jesus said, come on. He got up out of that boat and walked on the water to Jesus. You don't walk on the water in the natural. I don't know how it all worked out. I don't know if God put in some sort of plexiglass system or whatever. We could. I don't know how it all worked. I just know the boy walked on water. How did he walk on water? He walked on water because of the revelation of the word come. And when Jesus said come, he said that's got to be true. He got up out of that boat and walked on that Come on! On the word that was given him, just like the word you're getting today, if you believe the word of God, you can get out of your belt. You can walk on water. You can do the impossible. Come on! With men it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. Do we got some water walkers in the house today? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on as it is in two systems, guys. We have heaven and earth, keys of the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I need heaven to back my life. I need God to show up in my life. Just when you think it's impossible, God shows up. Just when you think it's over, God shows up. Just when you thought you couldn't get any worse, God shows up. Just when you thought they were going to repossess your car, God showed up. Just when they thought you were put out on the street, God showed up. Just when the doctors gave you a bad report and you thought you were going to die, ah, God showed up. We need God back in our lives like never before. The keys of the kingdom of God gives us access to heaven, and those keys operate through choosing to obey him. You don't need to go too deep to understand this. All you got to do is simply get out of the boat. If God said it, stand upon it. If God announces it, don't be afraid. If God declares it, get upon it and say, I'm going to do what God says no matter what it looks like. God will show up right on time in the midst of your problem. This God's not afraid of problems. This God's an answering God. This God's a light in darkness. Ain't afraid of your darkness. He stands up and becomes a light on your path. This God will show forth in strength on the day of battle. Hallelujah. Sadamonti. Remember, God wanted man to manage the earth. He wanted man to manage the earth. By the way, when God gives you something, he doesn't micromanage your management. He just gives it. He gives it. He gives a man a vineyard. He comes back and it's all overgrown. It takes a long time for that to happen. Stones are busted down, walls broken down. Comes back, it's all overgrown. He said, that's a lazy man. I gave him an assignment. He couldn't even manage what I gave him. And then for one, Jesus gives a parable and says, to one, I give you one. Remember the king? I'm going out of town. Get these three guys together. One, I give you one talent of money. You two talents of money. You five talents of money. He said, do what you will. When I come back, give report. 
Goes away in a far journey, comes back. The man with five says, your king, your majesty, I, I have five more. I've made you five more. Wow. Enter into my joy and my rest. You're a good kid. Two says, I, I gave you two more. You got four now. Wow, incredible. You're amazing. Enter into my joy and my rest. The other one said, uh, I, I didn't know what to do. I got scared. I got, afra- I got afraid. And I went and took the, the talent you had. And I, 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 I buried it. And, 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 and so, therefore, I wouldn't lose it because I didn't want to lose it because I knew you might judge me as a result of that. And, and therefore, I, didn't want, I was afraid. And he said, you wicked and you lazy servant. These men went and did this and did that. He said, and you, even in your fear, could have thought it through and go, I'll give it to the bank. At least the bank will give me a return on my investment at 3% at least. You could have done something. Get out of my kingdom. I'm here to tell you, Jesus made it very clear. God respects those that know how to manage what they've been given. And I'm going to tell you something, a little secret about our king is this. I believe with all my heart that it's not about you winning or losing. It's the fact that you wouldn't even try and you got afraid. When you get in fear, you'll never step out for God. Did Jesus, when Peter walked on the water and then looked around and saw that, oh my God, I'm doing the impossible. What am I doing out here? I ain't supposed to be walking on water. And that wind is pretty strong. And those waves could take me down in any moment. And he began to sink. What did Peter do? He said, Lord, help me. Lord, I need you. Did Jesus point his finger? Sorry, sucker. Die. You should have done better. Where was your faith? No. He reached up and grabbed him, put him in his arms, and walked him back himself into the boat. Jesus doesn't discredit somebody for getting out of the boat and trying to walk in faith. That that ought to encourage you today. This man wanted to report, and the same thing is with God. He don't micromanage. He just wants to know, how's it going? How's everything happening? So God places man in the earth and gives him dominion and says, be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion. What does this tell me? It tells me that if there's any change that needs to happen on earth or in my life, God makes me responsible to fix it. Sometimes that responsibility is natural. Sometimes it's spiritual. Sometimes when it's natural, it's like this. When you begin to smell funky, you don't go, oh, Lord, from heaven. Would thou us come down and scrubbeth my back and my toes with thou heavenly soap that you would help to cleanse me of all this dirt and grime and funk? No. What do you do? Get yourself in that shower and, and lather up and get it clean. Come on, somebody say amen. Am I right about it? So, so I'm responsible, and sometimes that responsibility is a natural response. Sometimes it's a spiritual response. So if your husband, ma'am, is not saved, you don't get your biggest Bible and beat him upside the head and say, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. This book right here says there's a lake that burns with fire. You know, what are you doing? He ain't never going to come into the kingdom like that and then grab him on a Sunday morning. You come with me to church. I don't care. You're coming with me. You're getting in the car. You're going to go to hell if you don't go he ain't never going to come to Jesus like that. Come on, somebody. So that, doesn't, that responsibility is on you, but it doesn't lie on you in the natural. It deserves a spiritual response. Like tonight at 555 or in your prayer time, we begin to seek God and intercede for their life. Are, are you flowing with me? Either way, I'm responsible. 2 Timothy 1.3, as his divine power has given to us all things, watch this, that pertain to life and godliness, natural 
and spiritual. God gives me divine power that pertains to the natural things of my life and the spiritual things of my life through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, right? Because it's either going to be a spooky pooky or a heathen Stephen. Come on, someone say amen. I want to be a stable able. Come on, someone say amen. So now we got to get to Genesis chapter 2 and find out what God has put all the seed. Now watch this. He put all the seed in the ground in Genesis chapter 2 for both food and pleasure. The seed is there, but the promise hasn't come forth. The promise is in the ground, but the provision is not there yet. God does not come back every spring and reseed the earth. God over 6,000 years ago, on one day, took his seed and put it in the earth of all different kinds of vegetables and fruits and flowers and plant life and herbs and everything else, and he planted it just the way he wanted it. He planted it one time, and we're still eating the same food. One seed. One seed. How important is the seed? It's the promise of a future. It's the potential of tomorrow. If we want our children to serve God, we plant seeds right now. We teach them how to get in the Word of God. We teach them how to pray. We teach them how to give. We teach them how to serve. We teach them how to be in the house of God. We teach them the elemental principles of Christ. Sow seed, sow seed, sow seed, right? So seeds create cycles. Once you plant the seed, it yields a return every single year. One seed, apple seed, can, that apple tree can produce apples for generations to come. All right, I close with this. Genesis 2.1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work from which God had created and made. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth. Watch this. And before any herb of the field had grown. In other words, the seeds were in the ground, but they had not come to fruition yet for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground listen to the revelation notice there was no fruit from the seeds that God planted in the ground because there was no rain and there was no rain because according to verse 4 there was no man to manage what God had planted and unless God builds us up to become great managers of the future, the seed, nobody likes talking about it. It must be talked about because if the foundations be destroyed, the Bible says, what can the righteous do? It is the foundation of everything in our lives. Nobody talks about the seed. Do you know why people don't talk about the seed? Because the seed is what happens underneath the surface. And we want to be sexy. We want something with flashing lights. We want something glittery. We want something everybody goes, ooh, look at them. Aren't they incredible? Ooh, look what God's doing. And we don't want to talk about what actually goes on beneath the surface. That seed will now germinate. It dies and germinates. It does what? It produces a root system underground. If the root system is not supplied correctly or there's not a root system at all, it doesn't matter what comes out of that ground. It cannot sustain the harvest. 
So God's got to do something deep in us first by way of that small seed. And we let it, that process build. It begins a great root system. So when it comes up out of the earth, we have the ability to manage the harvest that's coming forth from the seed. He's got to build us. That below the surface, well, he's building my character, man. He's building my integrity. He wants me to be a man of my word. He wants me to shut off sin in my life and, and make him the foremost reason for my life and living. He wants to be number one. And when I can prove that to him, now comes the harvest. I'm able to manage it. But if I can't manage it, no rain. I want you to know, it wasn't the devil holding back the fruit. It was God holding back the rain. Church, God can't send the rain on seeds that you're unprepared to manage. Every seed you need for a harvest, God has either put in you or has put in your possession. Every seed for health, every seed for wealth, every seed for promotion, every seed for security, every seed for that ministry, every seed for that family, that marriage, that business, he has put in you or in your possession. It's not a question of the seed. It's a question of either you not planted that seed uh, that you have or you have, are not simply unable to manage the harvest that the seed will produce. No management, no rain. No rain, no harvest. No management, no rain. No rain, no harvest. If you're not willing to manage what God's given you, you don't get the rain. If you don't get the rain, you can't get the harvest. If you are praying for the big thing to come, you got to be doing something instead of nothing while you're waiting for the big thing or the big thing will turn out to be just another something and become a big nothing. And I said in the first service, I'll say it right now. I have heard and I'm hearing the sound of an abundance of rain because God's people are getting serious and ready to obey him no matter what it looks like, no matter the cause. Come on. And that's why heaven has to open, that he may send forth his rain, the Bible says, upon us. That's why we sing songs about the river. The river, why? It comes by the rains. Come on, somebody. And when the rains come on the earth, they have to find rivers to flow into of God's salvation, his healing, his deliverance, his uh, prosperity, his restoration. And there's on and on and on this goes. I want to talk more about it. But one thing I want to say to you is this. God requires that we walk circumspectly. Circumspectly means it's a circle or a cycle. Live in your life in such a way that you know that whatever you do returns. So you're living your life in a circle. The Bible talks about being circumspectly or a circle, right? So you live your life like this way. So I know if I plant seed here and just keep doing what God's called me to do, just keep doing it. It's a cycle. I know this can't last forever, this season of looking and seeing nothing. All of a sudden, I could see this change, and now I have a harvest. If we walk circumspectly, God favors the person who walks circumspectly, not the person who lives for the moment. And we got too many Esau's out there that are willing to sell their birthright for just a little bowl of beans to satisfy their little flesh because they don't recognize who they are. That birthright was everything to a firstborn. That meant status in society. It meant money cattle, lands, you name it. It was everything. Jacob was able to get that from him because Esau was a man of the natural and not a man of the spirit. In other words, come on somebody, the natural will fade away. It's temporal. Why would you give up your destiny to look at those women online taking their clothes off? Why would you do that? It's just a temporary fix for what? For your destiny? 
Man, I'm preaching so good, I gotta have to. Don't leave the ladies out too. Y'all hold grudges like crazy. You remember everything. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Come on, somebody. You know, you know better. It's all sin in God's eyes. Come on, somebody. Over oh, what? A temporary fix of what? No, be like Jacob who had a vision and was reaching forward for something much greater than what he had. See, man. Bible says, that seed is small. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Get your seed. Start planting. We're going to get deeper and deeper every week. Did you all enjoy that today? Come on, somebody.